And now, an Envision Financial podcast with Luke Smith on Canberra's 2CC. It's time for our regular segment to talk all things financial with Luke Smith from Envision Financial. And Luke, good afternoon. I see you've brought another bodyguard. You know what? Another bodyguard, another week, another Friday, another visitor. So, yeah, I've got, um, I've got David Thomas in today. He's from Trilogy Funding and he's... I guess what I call my go-to bloke because one of the big things I get all the time is, I'd like to buy this place. How much can I have? What do I need? And can you make that happen? I said, well, I don't do that, but somebody like Dave does. So I thought getting me in today to talk about some of the regular questions that I get in relation to how much can I borrow? What does the bank want to see? What should I consider? It's it's a minefield given the changes we've seen of late. So it's 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 great to have him in. And mate, thanks for um thanks for finding the time. Oh no, thank you very much for having <laughs> me, Luke. I'm I'm happy to be here on a Friday. It's a, a good day. Yeah, Tuesday afternoon, not so much. Friday afternoon, it's a lock. So how much can I borrow, and do I really have to pay it back? Well, yes, yes, you, you, you definitely need to pay it back. That's uh, that's definitely the number one thing that all banks want to know. So, oh damn, you take all the fun out of it. So, um, look, as far as you know, how much you can borrow, there's there's some pretty simple rules when it comes to that 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 any family can kind of work out at home. If you look at your total household income, so if you've got a husband and wife and combined family income is about, say, $200,000, then you can spend about five times that amount uh, or borrow five times that amount. Um, So that gives you a total borrowing of about a million dollars. Now, obviously, every different situation is going to be slightly different, but Mm. that would be a pretty accurate rule of thumb. Mm. And I think that's, that's, that's the query that a lot of people have you know, the, the first cab off the rank is, well, I earn good money, we have this, we have that, what can we get? And I think that's one that I say to people regularly, get that information first, because getting wrapped up in the emotion of what's potentially going to be a very big purchase, or one of the biggest purchases you'll make in your life, having an understanding from somebody like Dave right up front, it sort of sets the parameters in relation to your expectations. It keeps loved ones happy, because um, we all know that 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 loved ones can run off and find the house of their dreams just about every week and the working side of the equation generally has to find the money to make that happen. Um, so if you can get everybody on the same page right off the, the bat about, well, what would this cost and how much can I get, you yeah. can then limit where the, where the spending runs off to. I, I guess there's kind <laughs> of there's two philosophies there, isn't there? There's one that says, this is what I want, how can I afford it? And the other one is, this is what I can afford, what can I get for it? And that's, and that's the $60 million question, and how do I keep my wife or my loved one or my partner with me through the process and so nobody's bitterly disappointed at the end of it so i think that's that's one of the biggest questions that i get and the misconception around you know what they can have and i think you know is it is it a similar premise if we're talking about the ways that people can put their best foot forward what are some of the things that you know people should keep in mind be it employed or or self-employed oh look i think the major thing that's changed over the years has probably been personal debts car leases things like that and how they are assessed by the banks um so the number one thing i usually say to people is let's get a hold on the personal debts let's get a hold on the credit cards let's close down credit cards if possible Mm. because the loan application is a snapshot in time a credit assessor at a bank is going to look at your loan application and based on what we put together today, they're going to try and determine whether you can pay the debt for the next 30 years. So 
if there's some credit cards we can close down, if we're just about to, you know, if we've got $5,000 owing on the family car, let's get rid of that. Um, mm because that monthly repayment goes into the debt servicing calculator that the lenders are using. Um, So they're probably the key things. And the other thing just to be completely aware of is there's a a lot of... um, a lot of people out there have the ability to have salary-packaged cars where the the fuel and everything else gets gets tidied up in one neat figure. Those salary packages, inclusive of the fuel and everything like that, they are a a fairly hefty monthly repayment Mm -hmm. and that will have a a big dent on what you can um, borrow for the the home loan. And and I know with credit cards, there's a bit of a trap there because you might think, oh, look, I only owe three grand on the credit card and the bank will say, no, 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 you've got a $12,000 limit and that's what we do our calculations on. Yep, correct. So if you've, the the calculation for that is about 4% of the limit of the card goes into the calculation for the month. So if you've got a $10,000 card right. in your wallet that maybe has a zero balance, maybe it's had a zero balance for five years, it's still $400 per month in the calculator. And just to put that in, into perspective, that's about a $20,000 car loan. So right. it, it really, the credit cards do have a, a big impact yeah. on it. And, and, the, and the funny thing I found was that I went through this whole process with a particular bank, which will remain nameless, and then at the end of it all, they, they insisted on giving me another credit card that I didn't ask for with a $20,000 <laughs> limit. Hey, what you do after you've got your money for your house is, that doesn't really matter. It's like just trying to put your best foot forward and know that you can't have too many emotional conversations with either a lender or your, or your wife or your husband about not being able to buy the house that you want but i think that's the same goes for things like store cards like you you know you've taken a couch and you're paying that off for five years yep similar principle with that absolutely look the latitude cards which are which are out there at the moment which is your your store cards and things like that you've bought the couch uh, you've long since paid off the couch you've thought that because it's paid off it's all closed um, but what we're finding nowadays with people with open data which is a new way that the banks are looking at your credit file um, those old cards still exist on your credit file through open data and there's a reporting process that happens every month right so if you long since paid off the couch um, make sure that that card's closed with latitude give them a call and and make sure it's all closed off because it will have an effect on your home loan application Mm. because the bank will see it and they'll ring you and say your client lied on the application. They've got another credit card they didn't tell you about. Mm, so Not realising. We just need to make sure that we always double-check these things. So, yeah, that's a really good point, Luke. Yeah, the, the serviceability is really the clincher, isn't it? It's not so much what you earn or you can prove that you can save. They do now want some really detailed information in relation to, you know, what's coming out of the bank, where it's going, and what your assumed living costs are to work out those figures. Yeah, there's, um, that probably takes you into that the, the next mm. thing that we want to talk about, which is the kind of five C's of credit. Mm. Um, and all loan applications are looked at with the five C's of credit nowadays. We'll do that in just a sec. It's about 19 minutes to five on 2CC Canberra Live until six o'clock. We'll uh, just very quickly give you this message before we continue our discussion of financial matters today. ACT Fire and Rescue and ACT Policing are currently responding to a hazardous materials incident in a building at the corner of Alinga Street and Moore Street. Number one, Moore Street has been evacuated uh, and the uh, emergency services are monitoring the environment. The community is advised to avoid the area. Okay, so that's at the intersection of Moore Street and Alinga Street. It's a hazardous materials incident, whatever that means. I didn't mean to leave my car parked at that intersection, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Say no more. Say no more. (laughs) 
somebody didn't get the home loan they're after and all of a sudden we're evacuating Civic. <laughs> so let's come back to our, uh, our question about how much can you borrow and what is the bank looking for? And this is the part about what is the bank looking for and you were mm. about to tell us about the five C's. So, yes, yeah, so the, in credit there's always been this, this five C's of credit, which is obviously your capacity to repay, the ca- your character, uh, the capital that you're putting into the transaction, the collateral that you're offering for the transaction, and just does the transaction make common sense? Hmm. Um, so we might just have a chat through them. Like, yeah, look, I think I think that, again, is where the misconception for a lot of people sort of, they get the frustration, they come back to me and go, well, we could or we couldn't get it because they don't know in the eyes of the bank what looks good and what doesn't. And I think some of these key factors here around how much you can take or what you have to secure or what they'll take as collateral are all really important. And I think the evidence of income, especially for the self-employed people out there, what sort of financial proof are you going to need to put your best foot forward on that front? So if you are self-employed, banks are are quite uh, touchy on uh, how COVID has in fact impacted self-employed businesses. So, because some businesses are not affected at all, some businesses have done very well, um, and some businesses is all just completely normal. So most lenders are looking for, looking for the 2019 tax returns, the 2018 tax returns, maybe all the BAS statements to show how you've traded in the 2020 year, uh, if you don't already have the 2020s um, completed. They're also looking for um, the financial statements that belong to your companies, uh, and they're also looking for making sure that your company is ma- is making its payments, especially payments to ATO and things like that. So right, okay. Well, that's again, it's it's one of those things that people understand their business, but they need to remember that in the eyes of the bank, you've got to be able to give them that information as proof. Whilst you may know it yourself, that the bank are coming at it with a much different lens, and I think that that sort of then pegs me to. The, the percentage of, of what you can borrow. Generally, if you, you know, the old adage of a 20% deposit will get it over the line. Have you found much of a change over the last sort of six to 12 months on that front? Is it, is it doable with less? And, and if so, what, what are the impacts? All right, so that probably comes down to how much capital you're putting mm-hmm. into, the, into the transaction. So all lenders like an 80% loan to value ratio. They like a 20% deposit. If you can do that, that's great. Um, as a minimum, if you're a first home buyer or someone like that, um, you can get away with as little as kind of 8% uh, deposit. Um, that's still offered by all major lenders. What we are seeing nowadays is lenders, and, and I'll, I'll throw one out there, Macquarie, um, if you've got a particularly low loan to value ratio, you've put in a bigger deposit, a 30% deposit, a 40% deposit, they will give you a discounted rate for the life of the loan based on that higher deposit um, at the time of purchase so or time of refinance. Yeah, that's worth yeah. doing if you uh, have the uh, funds to fil- uh, facilitate that. Yep. That's yeah. certainly worth doing. And Absolutely. That's, that's, that's really part of, you know... Uh, exploration process you know for especially yeah. for existing clients and new clients one of the first questions i have is you know what do you owe and what's the rate yes because i know we can we can make a five second phone call and clients are actually quite surprised that mid-meeting we'll just get him on the phone and go right here's the rate here's the terms here's what we want can we do better yes it's blah 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 and that one we've had a lot of success with lately where people may not have known that because they have a good loan to value ratio yes they are, you are going to be rewarded by a lower rate and that's part of yeah. you know the, the sharpening the pencil and finding money for other opportunities and of course in the last couple of years rates have been falling people might have been locked into a higher rate under a fixed mm. uh, scheme or something like yeah. that and uh, obviously there are opportunities now with the lower rates yeah I think it's it's just about asking the right questions and identifying yeah. opportunities for 
of people, and that's where somebody like Dave is invaluable. With the lower rates, I was wondering, can I get an interest-only loan at 0%? <laughs> not, <laughs> not, not at 0%. Close. Very close. Very close. Um, but, look, interest-only borrowings are still available uh, for investors. Um, we, we try and shy away from any unoccupied borrowings being on interest-only nowadays. It's, um, it's a thing of the past. Mm. Um, but certainly if you've got... Uh, investment loans for investment properties or coast houses or things like that and you've still got owner-occupied debt that you're trying to pay down um, you need the cash flow to pay down that owner-occupied debt and sometimes using an interest-only loan on the investment property um, will give you that ability yeah. hmm. i think that that again is one of those things that people hear interest only and the, I, I throw that up in a discussion about cash flow or using money for other opportunities and and this fear comes over their face but but i want to pay it off but i want to pay it off and in conjunction mm. with an offset account, you can f- set structures up now that give you the flexibility to use your money for other things. And, and that's where making sure your rate's sharp and making sure your structures are okay and making sure that you have that right composition of principal and interest and interest only can really flee up, free up other opportunities to explore deductions or, or, or other you know investment platforms that you may not have the cash flow to do if it's not reviewed re- on a regular basis. Now, one of our C's is collateral being taken, property valuations. Uh, obviously, the valuation on the property is very, very important. I remember I had a, a bit of an experience one time when the bank told me, uh, well, you're paying more than we think it's worth. In the end, I was right because we sold it for three times what we paid, <laughs> but it took a little while to get there. But the banks aren't always right, are they? No. Look, a, a bank valuation is, is merely an opinion. Uh, and those opinions can vary. Uh, I've had certain properties that have that have in the inner south, uh, two different valuers, one on a Wednesday, one on a Monday, can be one hundred and fifty thousand dollars apart. So, um, a bank valuation is not always gospel. It is just an opinion. What does also come into play when you're looking to purchase a property is the type of property it is in terms of the collateral that you're offering to the uh, to the bank or to yeah. the lender. Um, if you've got a you know sprawling four bedroom home in the suburbs that's highly sought after, um, that type of thing is very easy to lend on. If you're looking for a a bedsit apartment uh, in in maybe Queanbeyan, uh, there's a few of them there, and they're less than 40 square metres, so you literally can't swing a cat in them. Different lenders uh, don't really like that type of security. So mm. it's up to um, having a look at what you're offering the bank as collateral um, and how they're going to look at it based on their individual credit policy. Not all lenders are the same, so that it pays to talk to someone yeah. about that. And I think that's a really good thing that, that the listeners can take from that is, a mortgage broker knows what the appetite is for different lenders. It's not a case of everybody wants the same sorts of loans, everybody wants the same sorts of clientele. It's about taking the advice of somebody like Dave and, and, and the mortgage broker that you may be using and, and leveraging their experience to know that you want to fill out one lot of forms, not four. And given what you're going to purchase, they will know through their experience what the rate could be, what the bank's going to want, and also then how to get the best outcome in the quickest possible time. Because when you're invested emotionally in buying something, nothing can ever be done quick enough. And the last thing you want to do is get all the way to the finish line with a particular lender and find out that you've just wasted two weeks, missed an auction, 
and it's uh, it's tears for everybody. So use people that for their experience and they can make the process a lot easier because they understand the bank's appetite for risk. The last of the five C's is common sense. Now, if I have to explain what that is, then you obviously haven't got it. There's an entire generation of kids out there we need to explain that to, but that's that's for another day. So, yeah, look, it, it is funny enough, though, you do see the odd loan application that comes along that, that kind of lacks a little bit of common sense. And when we say common sense in terms of lending, if you've got... Uh, you know, if you're trying to make a purchase, um, what kind of what kind of history has the client got in terms of purchasing this style of property? So, if you've got someone who's who's only ever lived in Canberra, they've never owned an investment property, and they walk in and they say, "I'm going to buy five student accommodation properties um, because I think they're a good idea." Well. Do they have any history with student accommodation properties? Do they know anything mm. about it? Maybe five's biting off more than they can chew, mm. um, especially if you've got some kind of um, other properties that, that are particularly, you know, if you want to buy f- five Airbnb properties but you've got no history in it, you know, use, use some common sense. If you say to the bank, well, I want to get $400,000 to go and invest in shares and you've never owned a share in your life, the bank might ask some questions about that. Indeed. And in this half hour, I'm joined by Luke Smith from Envision Financial and today also David Thomas from Trilogy Funding. We're asking the question, how much can you borrow and what is the bank looking for? Uh, Luke, what do we have to do to wrap this up? Well, look, I think, you know, the the key takeouts, I think, from what we spoke about before the ad break, you know, as Dave alluded to, understand what you're doing. Make sure your structures are okay. Make sure you've got the right loan set up, be it principal and interest, be it interest only understand what you have in relation to credit cards and the outstanding liabilities there because they will be assessed in relation to serviceability and then make sure that you know you've got your, your best foot going forwards with strong financials the the, the, the proof from your accountant and you're making a, an informed and sensible decision I don't advocate whether people do or don't buy property but I'm, I'm always frustrated by an uninformed decision or something something that they've rushed because they've They've, they've got caught up in the emotion of something and they could be stretching the elastic band a little bit too far. And I think it's probably prudent in the current environment to factor in 1% rise or, you know, just make sure there's some fat in your cash flow just in case rates go forwards. Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, we've got clients at the moment, you know, paying, you know, 2.5% for home loans. The banks are going to make sure that you can pay 2.5% more than that. Hmm. So just do it in your own figures you know mm. it, there's a lot of people around especially my age and, and and older that remember paying rates a lot higher than mm. what they are now and and one day they might get up a bit so definitely put some buffers in place make sure your cash flow is strong you know close down facilities that you don't need mm. put yourself in the best possible situation um to be able to meet your commitments yeah and if you don't want to go out eating at the pub six nights a week, make sure you've got a really good example of where your money's going. Yes. And if you can make that look really nice over three or six months, <laughs> that looks even prettier in the eyes <laughs> of the bank. And then once you've got your home loan, feel free to swing for the fence. <laughs> but I didn't say that. <laughs> oh. Well, yes, there's plenty of things that I can't say today. But, uh, so Correct. Let's, let's not go there. Exactly right. Uh, absolutely. But obviously it is important that you portray the right image to the bank. For so, sure. you know, you yeah. make sure you've dotted all your I's, crossed all yeah. your T's, got everything in order, but yeah. uh, also, you know, that uh, you present as somebody who is in command of their own situation, somebody who is on top of the detail yeah. and somebody who's done their numbers yeah. and uh, is coming from a place of uh, good research and some good background yeah. information. And that'll help a 
long way, uh, well, a great deal. I think that's that's it, and that's why I, you know, I refer a lot of my clients to Dave because I know that he's going to put a bow around them, make sure they're okay, and give the bank everything that they need because we're always short of time, we're always too busy, we're always got better things to do, and you know the service that he provides with with you know Sophie in the office is you know top shelf, and I wouldn't use him if I didn't back him. Um, but I think clients like the peace of mind that he takes the angst away from the unknown tells you what you need, makes it easy for you, and then helps you put your best foot forward so everybody can make an informed decision. So, Luke, tell me, where do listeners go to get more information? So, 62604749. Give Barbara ring if you want to come in and check out your situation and and, and needs. You know, we're there, envisionfinancial.com.au. We've got the Knowledge Centre. We've got a, a library of information there that people can access for free. We've got the podcast, the Strategy Stacker on iTunes and Spotify, and, and YouTube, Envision Financial Canberra. Subscribe to that. You know, push the bell, do all that sort of stuff, and you can watch the show in your, in you know, in the lounge room on the phone, and take the key points out before the break and after the break, and just keep up with what we've said over the course of the day. Yes, and if you've been sitting by the radio hastily trying to take notes while we're speaking, then just go to the YouTube channel and then you exactly. can pause it as many times as you like. Exactly right, <laughs> Dave. Where can um, people reach out if they want to get their home loan checked? So they can. Uh, get in touch with me at Trilogy Funding, uh, phone number 1300 657 132, uh, or you can get us on the web at trilogyfunding.com. And whereabouts are you located physically? Uh, physically located in the Equinox building in Deakin. So if you've ever sat there at the EQ Cafe and enjoyed <laughs> breakfast, look around over your shoulder. I'm in building one, level one. There you go. <laughs> You're probably, probably at the table next door having another coffee. <laughs> Exactly right. Wouldn't be the first time. Yeah, exactly. Fantastic. Well, thanks both for coming in today, David. Thanks very much. Thank you very much. And uh, Luke, we'll catch you again next Friday. You bringing in another bodyguard? Yeah, we do. We've got got the illustrious Reese Kibas from RSM coming in uh, next week to talk about, you know, managing your business through these tough times and how you can make the most of your cash flow. Fantastic. Thanks very much. And we'll have another discussion about finance at the same time next Friday.